Welcome back to the show. My guest is UCI economics professor Stechios Gepertus. Professor Gepertus was born in Greece and received all his higher education in the United States. Among his most recent publications is the Oxford Handbook of the Economics of Peace and Conflict. Professor Skapertis is affiliated with the UCI's Center for Study of Democracy, Global Peace and Conflict Studies, at the Center for Study of Civil Wars at the Peace Research Institute of Oslo, Norway, the European Union Network on Polarization and Conflict. He has consulted on the problem of civil wars and conflict for the World Bank, among other distinguished international entities. His work includes developing a mathematical model that addresses taking away things from others. He's kind enough to put it uh, in terms that even I can understand. This is taking away things from others in all sectors, from civil uh, or international wars to the formation of gangs and mafias and the severe economic effects that inflicts the costs of violence. He's recently revised his article entitled Myths and Self-Deceptions About the Greek Debt Crisis, from which we will largely draw on in this interview. Every year, Stechios returns to Greece to be with family, to do research, and is this, it's this economist's intimate connection that we're going to mine on the show today. My goal is not to make Stechios too miserable, or April 15, 2015 will be the last time I'm invited over for backyard roasted lamb. This is his third time on the show. Welcome back to Ask a Leader, Stechios. Oh, hi, uh, hi, Claudia. Thank you for having me on your program. Thank you very and much. This uh, long and deserved introduction, anyway. Oh, well, pl yeah. okay. oh, please. Well, examining this crisis with your own personal connections, this crisis really matters. You've just returned from Greece a couple of weeks ago. You're intimately aware of what a plummeting standard of living, among other things, it looks like. Before the economic analysis, let's get everyone's attention with what a sinking standard of living looks and feels like? Well, it depends where you are. You can be in places where you don't feel it at all. If you go into a tourist island, you don't see uh, much. If you go into the better parts of Athens, you don't see anything. And uh, But uh, you have uh, about 40% of the population that is... Uh, really uh, what you can say below the poverty line many of them do not have uh, now for the first time since the second world war they don't have enough to eat so that's about uh, 40 percent of the population there is about uh, 10 percent or even uh, a bit more that has not been affected by the crisis and you could uh, sort of uh, go in places in Athens where you have, uh, you know, upscale restaurants and cafes and everything, and you don't have get any sense of the crisis. And then there is another, say, 50% of the population that is, um, has been severely affected in, uh, from the crisis in terms of, uh, you know, basic things. They might have uh, uh, had a car and sort of stopped using it. Uh, they might, uh, uh, you know, other, they have cut back tremendously, but they are not starving and they are not severely deprived. And uh, those are also now are on a precipice 
they are in danger with a new third uh, agreement and memorandum to have a depression within the depression. They are in danger of being falling off the cliff as well. So, so that's sort of the uh, roughly, I guess, three types of people, those who have not been affected, those who have been affected tremendously, uh, and those who have been affected, but they are they can still they still cling on i mean they 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 are not uh, uh, they they still can put food on the table well Stethios, let's let's get right in the middle of the demographic where now uh of those fifty percent you're talking about that are in the depression of the depression uh l- let's talk in detail here about what it looks like for a pension that is reduced by what percent with the population of the household doubling or I don't know is it tripling when you have now up to three generations under one roof because of the standard of living plummeting well um, you have the, the under one roof would be those who are at the bottom 40 percent because they I might be forced to do that uh, well you could have um, uh, say a thousand euros if you have a pension of uh, I mean the average pension would be 700 euros a month and that would be if you can if you have unemployed you know you you have a child uh, uh, the, the grandparents have uh, uh, their own children are unemployed and the grandchildren uh, they, they have grandchildren they would have you would have to have uh, in some ways an, ex- an extended family depending on a pension of 700 euros. That would be uh, pretty difficult because the, the cost of living is about a little bit lower than it is in the U.S. So 700 euros is about now $800 or less, more like 780, 770. Uh, and it's, uh, it's pretty bad. Now, I, I should tell you that it is not as bad as it is in many places in the world, most places in the world today. It's just that Greece used to be uh, at the bottom of rich countries in terms of uh, income per, per capita and standard of living. So that's uh, sort of the thing is that you have uh, uh, Greece is, uh, you know, you come standard of living that was comparable in many ways for most people in the U.S. Uh, and uh, coming down and uh, uh, a lot in it. By the way, in some ways, it's not that much different than if you were to compare, say, Irvine, it's like the top 10% of Greece, versus some places in Santa Ana and uh, South Central LA, where people are deprived as we speak now, right? Okay, that's so, a good so, analogy. So it's not like it's just this, uh, uh, and we don't talk about it very much, you know. I mean, but uh, there are a lot of people who are severely deprived in the U.S., not necessarily not having enough to eat, although there are some cases like that. But there are a lot of people who are uh, very, very poor in the U.S., and we don't see them at all, especially if we live in Irvine. <laughs> That's right. Some yeah. people don't know what uh, what getting out of the c- city is all about. They sort of uh, don't even let their car drive them to the Santa Ana zip codes. So uh, we we uh, understand that. 
And it's not uh, Santa. I mean, uh, many places Santa Ana are very nice looking. Uh, just there for some places, yeah. So um, I don't want to exaggerate and say. I mean, it, it's not. For example, people in Syria are suffering. I mean, that's where they are suffering. Not only just the loss of life, but severe deprivation, and that's why you have a lot of uh, uh, refugees. And that's another topic. Another issue that you have in Greece now, because all the refugees from Iraq and Syria and Afghanistan and uh, uh, from Africa, from uh, sort of uh, economic migrants in Libya and others are getting, trying to get in countries like uh, Greece and Italy. And Greece is, has a flood of people coming in. And this is another problem on top of everything else. And uh, it has created some issues with uh, the Nazi party, the Golden Dawn, a lot of backlash about this that has uh, abated a little bit. But this is a, a severe problem as well. You have people living outdoors in um, parks in Athens who are uh, refugees uh, who also don't uh, have much to go by. And that's another problem also in uh, other parts of Athens where you have refugees and immigrants, illegal uh, uh, non-documented immigrants in Greece trying to get in other countries in the European Union, but it's difficult to get from Greece uh, uh, to the European Union, other European Union countries, because you have to take a boat through Italy, and that's difficult. This is uh, right. police. So th there are hundreds of thousands of people in Athens, in poor parts of Athens, who are uh, 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 non-documented immigrants like that who are trying to scratch an existence, and that's sort of on top of uh, everything else. And we that is not reported much in the international press. Well, it's getting more. That bottleneck at the, uh, at, in Calais, uh, it's getting uh, its coverage, and uh, I don't think we can quite wrap our minds around that. But we, that's, um, that, that you make a good point in putting it all in perspective. For those of you who've just joined us, my guest on this portion of the show is economics professor Stergios Kapertis here on Ask a Leader on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine streaming on the web at KUCI.org. It's all about Greece today. Well, I found it really interesting and it's just like you and uh, your, uh, your depth and range of critical thinking in uh, your publication about the, the seven myths of uh, about what's going on in Greece. Uh, I don't know if you want to take it uh, from the start to the finish, or do you have a favorite myth you want to talk about, or should we start with the, the myth number one about the default or the bankruptcy as being catastrophic well, to I Greece? Well, I don't know if we, we could go through all of them. But we, we can try to. Anyway, so, so there is, uh, uh, both within Greece and outside Greece, there is this idea that default is essentially a sin default on public debt of Greece. And that has been propagated from the beginning. But if we take a step back and see what does default and bankruptcy involve, uh, what, what is going on in other facets of uh, lending other than sovereign country lending. So what you have over the past 200 years in the U.S. and other rich countries, you have a development of legislation, bankruptcy procedures for individual firms that essentially confers limited liability to the individual. What do I mean by that? Yes. Is that you, you have um, uh, uh, a mortgage 
the mortgage is secured by the house that you have, if uh, for whatever reason, unemployment, uh, uh, health issues, other reasons, you cannot continue paying your mortgage, the worst thing that can happen is that you can have uh, you can default on the mortgage and uh, you can have a foreclosure on the mortgage. You have to leave the house. Right. They are not going to go after your um, you know for life whatever you have uh, your income for the rest of your life. Now there are cases where mortgages in some states allow this, but it's uh, it's rarely taken and it's uh, uh, it doesn't happen. You also have bankruptcy in general. If you have more than uh, just mortgage debt, other than you can declare bankruptcy and you can protect, depending on the state, you can protect part of your income, but they will not garnish your wages in most cases. I mean, you will not, they will, you will not be a, a, an indentured servant of the creditors for the rest of your life. Similarly, for uh, corporations, it's even more actually. Uh, it, it is even more uh, uh, advantageous to the corporations in the sense that you bankruptcy chapter 11, you have debts, you cannot pay them off, you go to chapter 11, and you those uh, the, there is an orderly procedure, and uh, most uh, usually what happens is that uh, the shareholders are wiped out, and the bondholders also uh, as well. Uh, or do you have limited payment back? So, uh, uh, so, so you you have, and, and then the, the the company starts working again. You have United Airlines, American Airlines have gone through bankruptcy procedures. Now, this limited liability is economically efficient in a generalized sense. Why is it economically efficient? It's because if you had to make everybody an indentured servant then they wouldn't have incentive to work. They would say, the hell with it. I'm not right. going to be a servant for the rest of my life, having my wages garnished, and I'm not going to be working for the creditors. I'm just going to be unemployed. So that person will, not be, uh, uh, will either not be working as much or not at all if they are, they are forced to become identical servants for, for that reason. Similarly, the corporation... Uh, the, if you if you try to liquidate the planes, uh, say in the case of United Airlines or American Airlines and everything, it's much more it's much costlier economically than letting them operate and then emerge from the procedure and have the bondholders, the lenders that is, lose money and go on start from the beginning. They made a mistake in lending. Uh, it's the responsibility is equal between the creditor and the uh, and the and the land uh, and the uh, borrower, and uh, therefore it's economically efficient for the for, for for the lender to be careful with how much they lend. Now, in the case of sovereign debt, sovereign right. lending, you don't have this. You have a medieval kind of system, almost. First of all, the, there are no procedures, orderly procedures uh, in a transnational sense because there is no world uh, government that will administer this. Uh, but uh, the problem is that you have uh, uh, citizens 
who have not even chosen to become citizens. Most citizens, they have no choice. They, are, they were born in a country, and uh, you know, they have no choice, uh, the choice that shareholders of uh, right. United Airlines or American Airlines right. have on a corporation, who have actually willingly bought the shares and become owners. Uh, they, they are called of him, okay, so those who have not chosen anything, they have barely participated. I mean, they have maybe some other, maybe they have not voted at all for the previous governments, and yet they are liable for the future, for all the, uh, for all the debt that is there. And, for example, I am a citizen of Greece as well, as well right. as the United States. Right. But I live here. I don't have to pay off the debt I, I, because I don't work there. I, I don't uh, have income there. I, 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 I'm out of it, okay? You can choose to get out of it. Not that I chose to go out because of it. But my parents and uh, my sister and my other relatives and friends, they're stuck there. My nephews, maybe they will uh, decide to leave, and they have the choice to leave. So who is going to pay off the debt when the country uh, becomes is is completely like a, a huge uh, debt colony? You know the, that uh, the population will start uh, going away, and already is going away. It has been going away. Greece has had the one of the the fourth highest, I believe, uh, reductions in population over the last year than the, in the world. That's big. So, uh, so th th this is unsustainable, yet they are insisting, and they are putting this moral issue involved. And people are going, I mean, do feel, many, many people, you talk to them, they feel somewhat ashamed, personally ashamed for, for the debt. And, and that is used to sort of makes the terms even harsher in some ways. And, uh, and, that's, uh, and that's part of the ideology, the, the, uh, the, the issue of that it's the borrower who is solely responsible. The lenders are not responsible for it at all. When the lenders themselves, and that's the other thing, right. what has happened is that you have the former director of uh, the Bundesbank, the German Central Bank, saying, well, the, the first in the uh, so-called bailout in 2010 was actually a bailout of the French and German banks that held Greek debt. I said I would add also Greek, Greek banks as well. Right, right. And this was done for them. And then it was sort of like uh, sweeping it under the rug that actually it was turned then from debt that Greece owed mostly to private financial institutions into owing the debt to other Eurozone countries. So what happened is that the Eurozone, the whole Eurozone countries basically bailed out supposedly Greece, but it was in effect the Greek, the, 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 the bank, the, the, bank, the financial and institutions, and, and right. they put everything on, essentially, on the, uh, on the shoulders of Eurozone taxpayers. So now it's much more difficult to discharge of this debt. It's politically very difficult to reduce the debt. But not much of a discussion is taking place about <laughs> what was this, who, who was bailed out. So right. other, you know, the Germans and the Slovakians and others, they say, well, 
Greece, Greeks are corrupt and sort of lazy and everything. They should pay it back. They ought to ask, why should we be paying for this? And they are partly right, right about it. But they should be also be blaming their own uh, uh, politicians for acquiescing to something like that, for bailing out the banks. And and I just want to say that when you're laying out all the seven myths, this uh, part included, you're you're clear. You're making a very important point that when the the all of the myths are sort of bundled in a package, it makes it very difficult to overcome that synergy with these combined myths to uh, to refute the whole package. So yeah, it's sort of right. it's formidable. So that the International Monetary Fund, the Euro Central Bank, and the European Commission are it's an inordinately asymmetrical arrangement. The Greek government and with its constituents uh, negotiating with those larger entities. So, um, and I, I just want to get into some uh, s some other details that, uh, as we talk about these myths, that the actual, the there are things like the value-added tax, which is a large part of a, a financial structure in European nations, and in, in Greece alone, the value-added tax, the VAT has been increased from 13 to 23 percent, and that's eating into your... Uh, $780 per month uh, household income. Yeah, yeah. So it's just it's yeah, ravaging. Uh, so so th the taxes uh, have been gradually, not I mean, uh, step by step increased, and now it's come to the point where almost everything has a 23% value added tax. You can think of it like just as a sales tax. Right. It is. So that's... Uh, uh, that's, first of all, the problem is what you identified, is that it's a very re regressive tax, as we call, as economists right. call it. It, right. uh, it falls into the, uh, the burden on low-income people is disproportionate. Because they're spending everything. Say, an income tax that is, uh, I mean, there is an income tax in Greece, but a lot of the rich are able to avoid it for various reasons, various uh, mechanisms. Uh, and it's very economically inefficient. Plus, uh, it, it's it's uh, just think about it. Even in the U.S., if you have a 23% tax on everything, yeah, imagine everybody. You, you would have uh, the incentives to try to avoid paying it would be much higher than when it is 8% that we have here in California. And uh, so. so that's the other thing is that tax evasion is is is, is sort of much much more uh, uh, the, the incentives for tax evasion are much higher. Although there isn't, I mean, I'm surprised that there isn't much tax evasion of this because they have clamped down on this. But there are there are incentives for that, and uh, generally it's uh, it's one of the many one of the many, many policies that actually have made the situation worse economically instead of sort of supposedly uh, the Greece has not done enough so-called reforms to uh, make the economy more competitive. But this is really a very a measure that is making the economy very uncompetitive, non-competitive. Well, and I just one thing you talk about in your myth uh, seven in, in, in negotiations. Back to this, uh, the the asymmetry here in the, the negotiations because they're not over. The this this crisis, it's deepening. Am I correct? It's not. It's not. There's no end game no, in no, sight. No, no, no. It's yeah, deepening. That's so, right. that's so what you're saying is so right. The, the bargaining power is a problem, and if Greece is 
gross domestic product is barely, as you say, 6.5% of Germany's. It's, uh, they're flattened. They're, I mean, what, 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 what's the reversal of this? What is the, um, I mean, you've talked a lot about pulling out of the Eurozone. You've talked about it in the beginning of this crisis three and a half years ago. I don't know um, what's, what reversal of Greece's fortunes uh, could you uh, advise the uh, negotiators, including uh, uh, Prime Minister Tsipras? Okay, so what is happening, what Tsipras has agreed to is additional cuts to uh, uh, pensions and salaries and increases in taxes and uh, uh, sellout of uh, public uh, uh, land and public uh, sort of property Assets. Uh-huh. Uh, in a way that completely takes away any, any there is no sovereignty of uh, the Greek state anymore. It's just that everything is... Uh, they might as well sort of send some uh, European Commission gauleiters to take care of things. There's no reason. It's ridiculous what is uh, with this last uh, agreement that is taking place, taking shape, final shape now. It's, and, even, and, and one of the proposals for an agreement that was rejected in the referendum uh, was estimated even by the Financial Times that it, that it would induce a reduction in GDP of 13% over, uh, over the next two years, which is much the worst years of 12, 2012 and 2013 in terms of percentages. But that was before the banks closed and the banks created the bank closings and capital controls has severely wounded the economy. So we're talking now, on top of that, having uh, the additional measures that would bring, a do- bring about another 20% reduction of GDP after the GDP has already gone down by 25 to 30% over seven, six, seven years. So that's sort of, uh, that, that's, and it's just uh, not possible to do it so what you have is that you have uh, the banking system is completely short, uh, uh, partly because the European Central Bank has closed, uh, you know, closed the Greek banking system and uh, imposed capital controls. Uh, and that's another story. This yes. is like a kind of post-modern gunboat diplomacy. Whenever Tsipras was trying to do anything, the European Central Bank was putting some wedge and basically it's a completely political institution. It's modern gunboat diplomacy, postmodern, well, but in a way, though, that destroys the economy in a much worse situation than before. So that, that's sort of the situation now. Yes. The, the situation is deteriorating very fast. As very we fast. Speak. And, and I want to say, uh, just we, we're going to uh, give it one uh, last sort of a detail around here is that um, uh, maybe you were still out of the country, out of ours, and you were over in that country, but um, the analogy that was used at going into what Cyprus was facing uh, post-referendum and uh, before his uh, uh, negotiated agreement came out was the choice was between blackmail and asphyxiation. So this looks like both. <laughs> yeah, uh, so, so, but the thing is that Tsipras's uh, problem from the beginning was he did not have, he did not want to have plan B or the plan B that we had was too weak. Right. And that would have been to get out of the Eurozone and have a plan B. And he is ideologically opposed, apparently, to getting out of the Eurozone anyway. Well. So that's the problem, is that if you don't have a plan B and you don't let 
your uh, the other side know about this, then they're going to go all over you, and right. that's what they did. And that's what that they was did. predictable and predicted by many of us. That was... Uh, <laughs> Um, so the first thing I wrote about uh, Greece was uh, in February of 2011. It was an article called "Bargaining with the Troika." Yes, and that's that the was Central precisely Bank. the point: is that you, even if you don't believe getting out of the eurozone, you have to use that card, sort of on the side, yeah, right? Because otherwise, otherwise they will roll you over. This is a basic, basic rule of bargaining, of negotiating. Negotiations 101. You have, to have a, fall, a fallout position, a disagreement, sort of uh, what happens if you don't get a disagreement. And he explicitly refused to have a plan B, which is disastrous, which is, I think, criminally irresponsible to, to have that. I mean, it, it's incredible. But this is part of a... It, it now goes to something else, uh, sort of something that uh, Greek elites have, which is a kind of Europeanism, uh, sort of they, many of them uh, have an, they have gone into a, an identity, identify as European. They don't want to, uh, for whatever reason, uh, they think that we are past the nation state. Uh, sort of this is a kind of uh, uh, internationalism, which is a, sort of a bit weird internationalism internationalism of today that you see both on the right, uh, right and the left uh, based on globalization we have no choice but the only institutions that you still have are state national institutions you don't have nobody's going to protect you uh, the IMF or international institutions they, they are not there is no government no. world government that will protect you from anything the, the, the thing that you have still, and it's democratically accountable, is your own national government. Uh, the, this, this is something that has been propagated by the international elites a lot over the past 30 years with the period of globalization. Oh, well, we're all this together and everything. Uh, and that has to do also with uh, the Trans-Pacific Partnership uh, sort of negotiations with everything else. It's a kind of yes. false internationalism. And that's what... Uh, a lot of the elites in Greece have swallowed hook, line, and sinker. Yes. And uh, th that's uh, what, uh, and, and they are refusing to even have a plan B to have your own national currency to try to overcome uh, this uh, disastrous uh, economic situation. Yes, and we, uh, we have to close now, Stereos. Uh, Jeff uh, Gregory Schaffer did cover that with the transport. Trans-Pacific Partnership last week, and we I realized to my horror that we weren't going to be able to do the TPP and Greece in the same show. Yeah. So uh, in a way, it was uh, uh, my my uh, not-so-deft way of handling last week. Uh, it's I'm glad that you're able to open this up in much more detail today. Well, I um, will... Uh, we'll be following this and bring it up at a later date as uh, things change because you are such rich resource here locally. Sterios, thanks so much for your time and this really privileged vantage yeah. point on the Greek financial crisis. Thanks for being on the show today. Yeah, thank you for having me, Claudia. Okay, thank okay. you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Μια κόρη κλαίει, σπάραχτη κάθριγη, σπάσε καρδιά μετά.